Just because you establish a church and put a sign out front doesn't mean you're having church. There's a lot of churches that aren't being really good churches. And I think sometimes it's because we don't understand really what we're supposed to be. What did God mean when he set up the church? Man, church today looks different. And it, it's gonna look different as we move forward, okay? And if God doesn't come back and redeem the church and take it home, then we're gonna be left here. And if he leaves the church here, he leaves it here for a purpose. And what is that purpose? And what are we supposed to look like on the other side of all this? Hey guys, this is Pastor Tommy. Thanks for joining us today at the church at Bushland. Man, we pray that your faith will be encouraged and inspired from today's message. Thank you, worship team. Man, good to see each of y'all this morning. Uh, Paxton and many of the guys uh, on the worship team, they are in Red River, bless their heart. Um, they're in the mountains. There's a big men's retreat that, uh, that's been there the third weekend in February for a long time. Paxton's always done the worship for that retreat, and uh, they're there this weekend. I want they'll uh, Carrie and Nick, thank you so much from the worship team for stepping in uh, and being and just doing a super job. So uh, just so thankful for them. Hey, good to see you guys. I don't know about you, but there's some really good football that it's way too late into the night. Amen. I mean, my goodness, man, I got to get up early. I'm at the church at 6 a.m. on Sundays, and I'm like, can we not? This double overtime stuff is killing me. So uh, beautiful, wonderful game, though. But uh, we got to kick that football quicker. So, uh, well, good to see each of you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part of the church. Online, thank you. We love you. Thanks for being our online church. We love you to death. So I'm in a series this fall called The Church. Uh, simply called The Church Defined. And what I'm trying to do or what I want to do is, uh, it's kind of in two halves. I want to teach the church how to be the church. Simple enough. Amen. I mean, I think sometimes we have this idea that when we walk into church, we just automatically know what we're supposed to be like as a church. And, you know, the sad thing is there's a lot of churches that aren't being really good churches. And I think sometimes it's because we don't understand really what we're supposed to be, what, what God had in mind with the church, what he wanted to do with the church. And so what I want to do in this first half is unpack the church. What did God mean when he set up the church? What did he have in mind when he saved us? What was on his mind? What was his purpose? How do we function as a church? How do we even get the, how do we get to be called the church? What does that look like in God's eyes? Because it's not what it looks like in the IRS's eyes as a nonprofit. It's not part of that. It's not that. It's not what is in order for you to establish a church and put a sign out front. Just because you establish a church and put a sign out front doesn't mean you're having church. Because you don't even know what church is. And so we want to look biblically at a church. And then second half, we want to look at church today. Man, church today looks different. And it, it's going to look different as we move forward, Okay. And if God doesn't come back and redeem the church and take it home, then we're going to be left here. And if he leaves the church here, he leaves it here for a purpose. And what is that purpose? And what are we supposed to look like on the other side of all this? Because right now, navigating this world as, as the little church and a big church, it's, it's, it's different. It's different, man. There's a lot of stuff out there. And if you're a mom or a dad or, uh, you know, that having kids, I mean, it's different today. I'm telling you. But it's also beautiful today because it is a beautiful time to be the church, amen? But first of all, you gotta know what a church is. So the ecclesia is what a church is. It's a word we don't use a lot. Ecclesia is a Greek word. It is simply defined the called out assembly, all right? I am looking at an ecclesia. 
You're a called out assembly, okay? We got up this morning and you didn't tell your kids, we're going to go to the ecclesia. We're going to go be the ecclesia. They would look at you like, y'all didn't get enough sleep. Y'all stayed up and watched Colorado Buffaloes too long, right? But, but you... But that's what we are. We're ecclesia. We're a called out assembly. We're called the church. Okay. So what is the church? You might ask. The church is a living organism. All right. It's a living organism with Christ as its head. That's very, very important. It is a living organism as Christ with Christ as its head. It's a living. Okay. The church is a living organism. Why is it living? Well, I'll tell you why it's living because the tomb is empty. Because Christ resurrected from the tomb, that's what he did for the church when he breathed power into it through the Holy Spirit. And he put the, he put the power in the church and the church is living today. It's active and moving and changing. It's making impact. It's a living organism. That's what he wants for the church. But he wants that living organism to have a head. Anything that is alive and does not have a head will scare you to death. Amen. I mean, cut a, cut a snake's head off and, and, and then watch that snake move without a head, it'll mess up your chili. I'm just telling you. That'll mess with you, okay? But anything that moves that doesn't have a head is scary. There are scary churches out there. Not scary because they're scary, just scary because we can't really understand who the head of that church is. I am the senior pastor of this church, but I am not the head of this church. Jesus Christ is the head of this church. You might call me a neck. I am not the head. I am a willing vessel, vessel called the neck, okay? But I don't do any, I'll consult my staff, I'll consult my elders, but ultimately, ultimately, I ask the Father, what do you say about this? And whatever he says is what we do. Because ultimately, this is God's church. It's not my church, okay? I am not the head of this church, and I'll tell you how you know that. Jeff Ponder didn't die for this church, and Jeff Ponder cannot come back and get this church. Jesus died for the church, and he's coming back to get the church. And if he died for it and you're coming back to get it, you might consult the one that did that because it's his church. And so Christ is the head of this church. It is a living organism with a head, and its head is named Jesus, okay? And it always will be Jesus. Number two, what else was the church? It's a church that has a spirit as its power. In Acts, we see that God bestowed or put the power of the Holy Spirit within the church. It is the octane, okay? Listen, I don't care how cool your car is, okay? If you don't have gas, <laughs> you're not really a car, all right? You don't have no power. You're just a display, all right? A car moves. It has power. It goes, the church has got to have power. If you go to a church that doesn't show power, change, resurrecting lives, people getting saved, marriages being restored, people seeing great things happen in their life, being born again and families put back together, you don't see the display of the Holy Spirit in that church, you need to find a different church. I grew up in a church, okay? It, it was a good church. It was a what they call a, 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 a church that's of the book, okay? So, of the book, meaning of the Bible. And they were strong in the Bible. But I can tell you that all through my, my, my childhood age, my junior high, high school, all the way through, I probably didn't hear the word Holy Spirit maybe one or two times in the whole, time, whole church. I never heard it. How can you be a people of the book and not speak about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's all in this book. 
The Holy Spirit is this book. The Holy Spirit's name is God. If you don't talk about God in church, why are you a church? I mean, the Holy Spirit is the power of the church. If you don't have the Holy Spirit moving actively in the church, why even open the doors, man? Nothing's going to happen if God doesn't do it. And if God's not welcome in here as the Holy Spirit, how's it going to happen? God's the one that does it, man. A church, an ecclesia, the power of the ecclesia is the Holy Spirit. And if you're still fuzzy about the Holy Spirit and, fu- and, and you've seen some stuff with the Holy Spirit that kind of freaks you out a little bit, can I tell you something? The Holy Spirit's not a freak. His name is God. God's not a freak. The Holy Spirit's cool and powerful. People can be freaky with it, but they were freaky before it. So don't worry, okay? Just go ahead and put that on the shelf. They were weird before the Holy Spirit. They're just weirder with it, okay? And I'm just telling you. So go ahead and chalk that up. But don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, amen? So just because you might have seen a freak show sometimes of the Holy Spirit, and you're like, I don't know if that's God. Don't throw God out with that. The Holy Spirit is a beautiful thing, and don't operate a church without the Holy Spirit's power because you don't want to go to church without the Holy Spirit. It's a gorgeous thing. And the little church needs Holy Spirit doing stuff in them, and the big church needs Holy Spirit doing something in them. Amen. So the Spirit is its power. The world is its mission. Outside these walls is our mission field. Outside these walls is what God put the church here for. That's out there. That's when you go to restaurants and ball games and and stores and neighborhoods and work. Outside these walls is a mission field for the church. And you have got to go out there in that kind of vein. You're the light. You're the salt. Man, you got to go. You got to go. You got to go. You got to look around and see what God's seeing. There's divine setups by God every single day. There is nowhere you aren't that God, God, didn't allow you to be there, right? And you got to see what you need to see. Quit griping about lines in, at stores and see who in the line in the store you can pray over or pray for. You don't have to go up to them and spook them. You can just speak them right there. Just say, mom, I want to pray for that mom and that little girl right there. I don't know their story. I just, God, you laid them on my heart. I just want to pray for them. And that's gorgeous. Be the church, man. Be the church, okay? That's the mission field out there. Last is the kingdom as its focus. The church has a kingdom as its focus. There, I mean, we're all about the kingdom. We'll unpack that a little bit later, but you gotta be all about the kingdom, okay? The kingdom is bigger than the church, but the church has gotta be about the kingdom, all right? That's what he's doing. He's establishing a new kingdom, and the church is supposed to usher that in. The church is a part about the kingdom work, Okay? So here's that. If you took every bit of that and you shook it down, here's what the church is supposed to do. It's supposed to know him, K-N-O-W, know him and make him known. That's what the church is. You know him, Jesus, and make him known. That's what a church does. That's what the little church does and the big church does. I want you to go to your Bible. Go to Matthew chapter 16. People ask me all the time, what's the church built on? I covered this a couple weeks ago, but I want to look at it again because I want to make sure we have established this, Okay. All right, Matthew chapter 16, look at verse 13. Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Verse 15, big verse Major verse. If you have your Bible, write in it. If you don't have your Bible, don't write in someone else's Bible. All right? 
Verse 15, but what about you? He's still asking that today, by the way. He's asking that. What about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Hmm, big question. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are Christ, the son of the living God. Hmm. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. Verse 18, and I tell you, I tell you, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, whoa, whoa, you didn't get that from man. That was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. Upon that confession, I will build my church. I will build my church. Now listen to me, I wanna clean up some stuff because people have gotten this confused for many years. People say that God built the church on Peter. Mm-mm. God did not build the church on Peter, okay? God built the church on Peter's confession, okay? You are what? Christ, the son of the living God. Upon that, okay, is what I build my church on. You're a church upon that profession, on that confession. He will not build a church. Listen to me. God will never, ever, 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 ever build a church on a man. Never build church on man. Even Peter. He won't build a church on a man. Why? Because a man will fumble. It will mess up the church. Man from the history of time has messed up churches, all right? Churches don't hurt people. Broken hurt people hurt people. You can be hurt in church, not by church, okay, but by people. That's why you never build a church on man. That's why a church is not built on me. It's why it's never built on a pastor. If a pastor thinks that church is built on him, you better run from that church because that church is doomed to fail because God will not build the church on man. He will build it on the confession that he is Christ, the son of the living God. That's what he builds a church on. We know it as salvation, Romans 10 Verses nine and 10, if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with our mouth that Christ raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For verse 13 says, for everyone, everyone, everyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When you do that, if you have done that in your life, if you have made Jesus Christ your Savior and Lord, Okay, if you've confessed him and believed on him and know him as your Savior and Lord, you are now a church. Do you understand that? You are a little church, okay? And here's how you know that. Jesus said, I am coming back one day to get the church. Amen? He's coming back to get the church. Is he coming back to get this building? No. What he's coming back to get is all the people who profess him as Christ, the son of the living God. All the people who have believed that he is Jesus' is Lord and confess with their mouth that Jesus raised him from the dead shall be saved. He's getting everyone born again. So if you've been born again today, you're saved. You're a church. You are the church. If you've never been born again, but you're inside a church this morning, you only attend church. You can attend church and miss heaven. You understand that? You can sit in church on the day he returns Jesus comes and calls the church home and you could still be left sitting in church, not going to heaven. Why? 
Because you didn't go to church? No, you went to church. You're in a church. You're just the only one left in the church. Well, maybe the only one. But you're not going because you never confessed him as Christ, the son, the living God. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus and been born again. Now you're the church. And if he comes back to get the church, he's coming back to get you. He's not coming back to get our building. He's coming back to get the church. Amen. That's why he's coming back. So what happens, what happens after salvation? That's a great question. What happens after you're born again? Last Sunday, we started uh, part one, God has no orphans. We know an orphan does not know his parents. His parents are dead, all right? He has no one, okay? Orphans ask questions like this. They don't wanna be left by themselves. Are they the only one? Who, uh, who, who is my father? Who is my family? Who am I? Where do I belong? Do I have a family? Those are questions that orphans ask all the time. Listen to me. When you are an orphan, you finally get adopted into a family. You no longer ask who your family is. I want you to see something. In God, when we get born again, when we, we get saved, when, we're, when we give our lives to Christ, we are adopted, we are adopted into God's family. We are no longer an orphan. We have a family. Listen, if you're ever gonna figure out who you are, you're gonna have to get saved to meet Jesus. When you meet Jesus, he'll tell you who you are. Jesus will become your heavenly father. You have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You're now one of God's kids. You are no longer an orphan, okay? You have been adopted into his family. That's what's beautiful about the church, okay? So let's look first. When we looked at this, we said, what was on God's mind when he saved us? What was on God's mind when he did the church, all right? We looked last week at salvation from God's perspective. Too many times, church and, 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 and people look at salvation from their perspective, okay? What's in it for me? We have the Starbucks, Dutch Brothers, Roasters approach to salvation, okay? We wanna know what's in it for us. God never made it about us. It was always about him, Okay, and we want to look at salvation from God's perspective because, listen, that's the only perspective to look at. Too many people look at it from their perspective. So it looks like a very selfish me, me, me salvation. And then so if you, if you see salvation that way, all I got to do is walk an hour of prayer, prayer. I can walk an hour of prayer, prayer. All I got to do is get dunked. I can get dunked. Oh, I, woo, I'm saved. I'm, I just go live how I want to. No. If you've been born again, you look at salvation from God's perspective and you understand it never was about you. Okay, so we looked at God from, from, from God's perspective. It might have been free for me, mm, but it wasn't free for him. It cost him his son. It might have been easy for me, but it wasn't easy for him. It might have been for me, okay? It might have been for me. It was for me, but it's not about me. Salvation isn't free for God. It was free for me. And sometimes what you get free, you don't handle well. And sometimes we look at salvation too much from, God, from, from our perspective and not God's perspective. We need to spin the bottle around and look at it from a different perspective, okay? So we looked at three things real fast last week that salvation from God's perspective, number one, is granted on God's terms. John 6, says, no one comes to the Father unless the one who sent me draws him. There is a moment in your life before you were saved that the Holy Spirit of God began to draw you into personal relationship with him. You might've felt warm. Hair might've stood up on your, on your arms. Or you might've heard this knock on your heart. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you. Listen to me. If we will ever get a concept around the fact 
that we didn't get heaven on our terms and it wasn't our idea. Jesus set every bit of that up. God put all of that in place. He's drawing us for a relationship, okay? It's all about him drawing us. See, we didn't do this. We didn't act good enough, go to church enough, open enough doors, carry enough groceries for old people. We didn't do anything. It wasn't about us that we can boast. There was nothing about us. It was all about God. God called us into this relationship, okay? And so we have to constantly understand that we're only born again because God set it up that way. We only have a relationship with God because that's how God set it up. It comes on his terms and his terms only. Never on my terms, never on my terms. Secondly, it reflects God's nature. All right? When we get saved, we reflect God's nature. His nature becomes part of our nature. Why? Because he loved us, we can love other people. Understand something. He loved you at your worst. He loved you at your worst and he received you and took you and gave you eternal life. That nature he puts in us, okay? So if he can love you at your worst, you can love other people at their worst. And one of the major aspects of us being born again is our love for others. Second biggest aspect of that is forgiveness. Listen to me. Woo! If you understand salvation from God's perspective and his nature is in you, he saved you, he redeemed you, he forgave a sinner, a sinner like me, and made me a saint, okay? He, I, was a, I was once a sinner, but now I'm saved by grace. If I've been saved from much and forgiven by much, I need to forgive much. And I have a real problem when born-again children of God say, I can't forgive, you don't understand what they did, Pastor. I don't have to understand what they did. He forgave you. You had to forgive them. No, I can't do that. They'll win. No, you have to do that because he did it for you. Listen, I spent my life, majority of my life, with, with issues with my dad. All right? I was waiting on my dad to forgive me. Okay, I was sitting in a college class. All right, with my water hose kinked, man, because I could not hear God and everyone else could. I was struggling. And the reason I was struggling was because I would not let my dad go. I kept holding stuff over him, okay, that he did to me. And I'm like, he's the dad, he ought to come to me. I'm the son, I don't have to go to my dad. My dad should come to me. And for years, I did that. I dug my heels in. And one time I was sitting in a class and God said, your dad's never gonna come. You gotta go. And I got up, shut my book, and walked out. And that professor's looking at me like, I told you about them baseball guys. They, they just, they trouble, all right? And I just walked out of the class. I got in my car, drove to Athens, Texas, walked into my dad's shop, my dad's letter in a paint, I mean, letter in a sign freehand. And I said, Dad, hey, I need to talk to you. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Uh, I said, I ain't, this, I ain't that kind of visit, <laughs> all right? And I got down to business, and for an hour, I just said it, for an hour. And I just let him go, man. And I went back to college, and I could tell on the way, way back, I was free, man. I was so free, 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 free. Five years later, my dad ends up in jail, and uh, he ends up giving his life to Christ in that jail cell and born again. I went to his baptism. I want to tell you something. You can forgive, and when you forgive, they can meet the one that can forgive them. I was waiting on a lost man to come and give me forgiveness. Lost people don't forgive people. They haven't been forgiven yet. When you get forgiven, then you give forgiveness. If you've been forgiven, you better give forgiveness because it's in your nature, okay? It's in your nature. You received it, you better give it, amen. Last is this. 
personal, but not private. We talked about it last week. When you become a, say, become a Christian, you're a poor, you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is personal, but it's not private. Uh, you're the salt of the earth, a city on a hill. You, you are absolutely a light, man. And you've got to go out into your mission field. You cannot do this alone. Even Tonto, okay, uh, had Long Ranger. Long Ranger had Tonto, dating myself, but he did, all right? You gotta have somebody beside you. This is not a private thing. This is a personal thing. You have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Yes, that is a personal thing, but it's not private, my friend. You gotta go. So this week, we're gonna look at three more things. What happens to us post-salvation? What happens to us when we give our lives to Christ? What did God have in mind with that, okay? Number one is, you are birthed into a spiritual family. Listen to me. When you give your life to Christ and you're born again, you are birthed into a spiritual family. You are adopted into God's family, okay? The church that you are adopted in. Listen, this is very passionate to me because a lot of people will go to men's retreat, women's retreat, marriage retreats. They'll go to denials. They'll go to camps. And these kids get saved. They may or may not be from our church, but they get saved. These people get saved. We are really, it's really important for a church to make sure they get real good information about who that person was that gave their life to Christ. Why? Because when you get born again, you're automatically into a spiritual family. The church that they came with may not be their church home, but some church home is. And they've got to get plugged into a spiritual family. They've got to get plugged in. And so it is bad on the church when it's sloppy with people that get saved. When people get saved, it's a big, big deal. We're, not, we're here to make what? Disciples, not converts. Too many churches just want to get people saved. I'm like, where are the people that gave their life to Christ? I don't know. We don't even know their names. That is terrible. God knew their name. They're precious in his sight. He knit them together in his mother's womb, and he has an incredible purpose for their life. And part of that purpose is meeting Jesus as their personal Savior and Lord. If that happens on your watch, do a good job of taking care of that child of the king because he's now adopted into the family of God. You can't just leave him on the road, man. You can't just throw him away because people flounder in life because they can't find their family. They don't know what happened. They haven't been nurtured, okay? And so when that happens, you've got to understand that when you're just like an orphan that don't have parents, when you get saved, you automatically have a daddy in heaven called Jesus, and you're automatically adopted into the family of God, automatically. This is a beautiful family, okay? In this family, in this church, if you are a baby, if you went down to preschool, you might get children's area, they'd be nurturing those babies in their walk with Christ. They'll be teaching them elementary, simple things about growing in Christ. It is very important for us to get good nourishment as a baby because why? Because that gets us off to a good start. It's our immune system. It's everything we need, okay? But if you're a new believer, it's very important for you to start growing in Christ. If you're a grown adult, 45, 55, 65, doesn't matter. If you're new to Christ, listen to me. We have a discipleship program called Following Jesus. It's just a black book, okay? We want you to understand that you've got to get elementary teachings and nourishment and growing in Christ. We will help you walk you through how to grow in Christ if you're a new believer. This morning, if that's you as an adult in this room, it may not have given your life Christ here. You might get saved somewhere else, but you're here today and you're like, man, no one's ever discipled me. No one's ever walked me through the Bible. No one's ever taught me how to grow in Christ. You may be, me been in church all your life. You can take this class. You can get this book from us today and we'll walk you through that. We want you to, because listen, the church is not the most to make converts. It's supposed to make disciples, Amen. 
And so that's important to us. And so we don't want to do a sloppy job. So we nurture babies. As an adult, you get fed. Every week when you come in here, I want to make sure you come in with a big old plate because up in front of you is always going to be a buffet, man. And we got knife, fork, and spoon sitting up here. We got a napkin, but some of you boys don't use napkins, and I know that. But you got to come in here, and you got to eat, 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 all through worship, all through the Word. You got to eat. Why? Because if you eat, you will grow, okay? And sometimes you'll have to eat stuff like liver and onions, and you don't like it. Ugh, just spit that stuff out. You may not like spinach, but it gets served that Sunday, and you got to eat spinach. You're like, I don't like spinach. I don't want to eat it. We don't want to eat stuff that God feeds us because it... <laughs> It just does stuff in us, right? We don't want to deal with that. So we're like, well, I'm not going to skip that. You need every bit of that. You need that more than you think you do. So eat, 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 and grow. There ought to be a difference in your life from a year ago spiritually. There ought to be a difference in your life from two years ago spiritually. There ought to be a difference in your life a month ago spiritually, right? Why? Because you ought to be growing and feeding in Christ. What this church is about is feeding people. The word of God. That's what we want to eat on. A church ought to be, when you get saved, you're birthed into a spiritual family for nourishment, to feed them, to protect them, yes, to guide them in the spiritual maturity. I said in the first service, if you've been saved and been growing in Christ and you still walk around with a bottle in your mouth, I'm going to jerk that thing out. There's nothing worse than having a camouflage shirt on and a baby bottle sticking out of your mouth, all right? Pull that out. Put a ribeye in your hand, and I don't care if you use a napkin or not, you can use your sleeve. But eat some big food for big boys, okay? You ought to be growing towards spiritual maturity. You ought to be further along than you were a year ago if you've been eating good, all right? Been eating from the Word. So you're placed into a spiritual family. That's very important. If you came here, and you found this as your church home, and you've joined our church, uh, and you put your membership here, this is your spiritual family. This is what you've been birthed into, this is what God had, and this is what we want to do. We want to help you grow. We want to nourish you. We want to protect you. We want to guide you in the spiritual maturity. We, we don't want you to sit and soak. We want you to serve and go, all right? Second thing is this. Not only are you birthed into a spiritual family, you're placed into a living body. I talked about that a while ago. It's a living organism as Christ is ahead. This is a living body, a living body. I want you to listen to the Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Watch this. Just as God wanted them to be. He has set up the arrangement of you to be a part of this spiritual family, to come into this spiritual living body, and to be set up and find your place. Listen to me. People come up to me all the time and say, Woo, Jeff, there's a lot of students back there in our student ministry. Man, we need to get some more adults involved. And I'm like, mm-hmm, you got the vision, you got the job, all right? I mean, if God bursts something in you and you see something, jump in and do it. I mean, you say, well, Jeff, I can't do anything. I, I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I don't really have a lot of skill set to add. Can you move a table? Can you stack a chair? Yep. Can you carry out a pizza box on Wednesday night? Just that's how you do it. Find a place to serve, man. Find where you fit. Find where you belong. That's what an orphan does. They say, well, I don't have a family. Do I have a, now I have a new family. Where do I fit? 
You're now a part of God's spiritual family, all right? You're birthed into a living organism, a living body. We have tons and tons of places for you to serve. All you've got to do is just continue to grow, continue to eat, continue to walk with God and say, God, show me where I fit. Show me my place. Show me where I can serve. Show me where I can get involved. If you do that, God's going to highlight things. I'm just telling you, when God highlights them, you got to go. You say, well, man, I'm scared to death to do that stuff. Just jump. Jump, man. I never met a kid that jumped off a diving board that didn't jump again. You say, well, I didn't jump again. And I'm not having it to this day. I'm 96. That's fine. Most people jump once, jump again. I'm just telling you. Why? Because it's thinking cool. Now, the higher you get, it ain't that cool. But I'm just telling you, it's thinking cool, all right? So, so what I'm saying is you're birthed into not only after salvation a spiritual family to grow and eat, but you're also birthed into a living body that God has already arranged the parts of the body for what? For his purpose. Find your place, man. This, we will help you find your place. But if you can find your place to serve in the body, you're going to be so, so much richer. All right? He said, well, I, last time I served in a church, I got hurt. I got corrected. Well, this is a different church. Don't hold God ransom on that. Okay? Don't hold us hostage over a bad church. Jump in again. And I promise you, we'll help you and we'll guide you, okay? We will. Last is this. Not only are you birthed into a spiritual family, not only are you placed in a living body, but you're placed into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. We love the kingdom here, if you haven't figured it out. Look at Matthew 6, pretty popular passage of scripture. But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Does anybody's Bible say, seek ye first the church? Nobody? Mine neither. I looked up tons of translations. None of them say church. They all say the kingdom of God. Why? Mm. Well, there's no perfect church. So if you seek a church, you're going to be disappointed. What do you seek? The kingdom. The kingdom ain't broke. It's perfect. The king is sitting on the throne. We should be about the kingdom. All right? The kingdom. The church ought to be about the kingdom work. Okay? That's what it is. John 3, 5 says this, Jesus answered, this is Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit, all right? Nobody can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of what? Water and Spirit. I'm looking at a ton of people that have already had the first thing happen. You've been born of water. Physical birth is in water, mama's water breaks, and you come, all right? Next thing is you're crying, okay, which is really worship, okay? That's what happens when you get birth. Jesus said to Nicodemus, and it's true to this day, you can't only just be born of water, but you must be born of the Spirit. There must be a day in your life that Romans 9, 10, and 9 and 10 come true. Why? Because you're going believe to in, believe in your heart that Jesus raised Christ from the dead and confess with your mouth what? That Jesus, that, that he was raised again. You, everyone in verse 13, everyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you understand that there's a day when you were born again, you now have two birthdays. If you don't have two birthdays, you don't enter the kingdom of God. One birthday doesn't get you there, okay? It does not say just water. It says water and spirit. Spirit fills you at salvation, amen? So if you've been born again, you now have two birthdays. You have a water birthday and you have a spirit birthday, okay? And you will see the kingdom of God. Matthew 3, 2 says this, repent. For the kingdom of, kingdom of heaven is near. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Luke 23, 42 says this, and this is the thief. The thief said, remember me this day when you enter into your kingdom. 
That's where the thief sat on the cross beside Jesus. Remember me today when you enter your what? Kingdom. Jesus looked at him and said, today you will be with me in paradise. The kingdom of God is very, very important. When you enter after salvation, you are birthed into a spiritual family. You are birthed into a, to a living organism, a living body, and you're birthed into the kingdom. We are about, through our mission uh, budget, we are about a lot of ministries outside of the church that are all about kingdom, okay? Hope Choice, beautiful ministry, all about kingdom, okay? Uh, Life Challenge, guys that were here last week, they worship with us. Great kingdom ministry. Life Challenge, great kingdom ministry. We were there Monday, ate lunch at that place. Great kingdom, all right? BSMs at AC, BSMs at, at WT. 1330, another kingdom ministry. There's tons of kingdom ministries and we love being a part of the kingdom ministry, okay? Because we're birthed into the kingdom. Jesus decided that, Jesus said that his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Churches are not an end to themselves. They are supposed to be about what? The kingdom of God. We grow and advance the church and the church advances the kingdom. And that's what we do. So if you're here today, okay, listen to me. If you're here today, how are you placed in this spiritual family? Are you? Is this your church home? If this is your spiritual family, this is your church home, have you found your place to serve? Have you found your fit here? What God intended for you to do? And bigger than that, bigger than both those, are you about the kingdom work? Are you about the kingdom work? I'm gonna invite you to stay in church. couple things before we close. Number one, do you know that you know that you know that you know that you've been placed into the spiritual family? Do you know that you've been placed into a spiritual family? You say, well, how would I know? <laughs> you've been born again. If there's been a time in your life that you've given your life to Christ and are saved and born again. If that's happened to you, you've been placed into a spiritual family. That may have happened a long, long time ago. You may not have been handled very well, okay? You may have been just drifting around like a feather in West Texas, hadn't found your place to land, hadn't even found a church home. But you're here today, or you've been here for a while, and you feel like, man, God's moving you here. This is where you need to be, okay? If that's you, okay, then welcome to the family, amen? Welcome to the spiritual family of the church. We wanna know that, okay? We wanna help you grow and nourish, okay, and be fed. If you're here today and this has become your home, you've entered and you joined a living body that needs you. There's a place that God has arranged for you to fit and belong and be a part of. Have you found that yet, okay? And last is this, as a born again child of the King, found your family, you found your body, okay? But are you making an impact in the kingdom? Are you involved in kingdom stuff? For some of you, you know where your kingdom is? It's at work. There's ladies and guys around you, man. You know God put them there for a reason bigger than just church. You put them there for the kingdom, for the advancement of the kingdom. I invite you to start being the salt and light and open your mouth and share your story with them because you think your story won't matter, but it matters, okay? All stories matter, man. 
Every story of salvation is the second greatest story ever told. Jesus is number one, and you can't trump him, sorry, okay? But yours is the second greatest story. Tell that story, okay? As we pray, the ministry teams will be down front, altars open. Just know for sure before you walk out of here that you've been birthed into a spiritual family, okay, because of salvation. And if you are, find that body where you've been, all right? Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. You're good. And by your Holy Spirit, I pray that you will draw your people, whether they're right where they're seated or if they come up front, Father. But God, I pray the Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit needs to do in the lives of your people. Thank you for the church. Thank you for the beautiful Ecclesia. It's gorgeous. We thank you for that. Meet us now as we worship in Christ's name. Amen, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today here at the Church at Bushland Online. Hey, if you were inspired by today's message, we'd love to hear from you. Just drop a message in the comments or you could email us at info at bushland.com. We'd love to hear what God's doing in your life. Also, man, if there's anything we could agree for in prayer with you guys, just text the word pray to 806-557-1800. We believe there's power in agreement um, with the Lord. And so um, if we could pray for you, just do that for us. Um, and if you'd like to connect further with us through social media, uh, just search the church at Bushland. You can find out more things that are coming up here um, and get involved that way. And then if you'd like to plan a visit, uh, we'd love to see you face-to-face. -face. We have services here, 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. You can go to our website, thechurchatbushland.com, and plan that visit, and we look forward to meeting you that way. Finally, man, just thanks again for joining us. Pray your faith was encouraged, and we look forward to journeying with you in the days ahead. So have a blessed day.